0: Set it all on, yeah, what it is, is what it is, and tonight, in just a few seconds, if you can wait, because I can't, what it is.
1: What up, what up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to episode 233 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on The Boxing Rant. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin?
0: What's going on, brother? After uh, yesterday's just uh, beautiful performances from Gojira and King Kong, boy, boxing's on a high after last night, my friend.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty electric day. Um, You know, it didn't last long. It was good. Um, There's a lot going on. Weather's getting... You know, really nice here in the DMV. So it was nice to, uh, you know, get in and out. Um, And last night, I didn't have to stay up too late. You know what I mean? Showtime got it uh, done. Deontay Wilder got it done faster. Um, so, yeah, we got the post-fight of Deontay Wilder versus Dominic Brazil, uh, Gary Russell Jr. in his annual uh, performance. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series from Glasgow, Scotland. Um, Ivan Baranchuk versus Josh Taylor and Emmanuel Rodriguez versus the Monster, Niowa, in a way um and you know what as far as fight preview goes there's not much coming up next week there's a couple matchups but nothing worth diving into here on the tail of the tape so we're gonna address the action that was but we appreciate all of you tuning in once again to the 233rd episode of the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on the boxing rant be sure to subscribe to the show on itunes spreaker and spotify and drop by the boxing rant youtube channel today follow us on twitter at Vince Cummings 81, and at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, Vin, let's get right to it. From the Barclays Center in New York last night, it was the return of the Bronze Bomber uh, seeking bodies as he squared off against Dominic Brazil uh, to defend his WBC heavyweight title. Um, coming into this fight, there was a lot of talk about the sort of delayed um, attention that the WBC was giving to the comments of Deontay Wilder wanting to catch a body um, this personal, uh, back and forth, um, like, you know, started with a melee and, a uh, just verbal attacks on family members. And this thing just got heated, um, you know, over time. Uh, and finally these two were able to get in the ring with one another. And, uh, I got to say, then, um, I don't think much of Dominic Brazil, so I'm not going to be the one sitting here, you know, tooting, uh, the, uh, Deontay Wilder. Oh my gosh, did you see that shit? Yes. Is it a Knockout of the year candidate, probably leader in the clubhouse right now. Did it happen abruptly and devastating? Yes. But let's be clear. Dominic Brazil is not a boxer. He was a college football quarterback. He is a sorry excuse for a boxer. And he got exactly what I thought he would get. Did I think it would happen that early in the fight? No. Doesn't take away from how fucking explosive the knockout was, though.
0: No, nah, I mean that's the thing. Like, yeah, of course, going into this fight, I mean, I I don't know one person that didn't pick Deontay Wilder to win by knockout in the first six rounds. But there's a, there's a difference between your your, your run of the mill every every day knockout and and what Deontay Wilder laid on on Priscilla last night. I mean that uh, that punch is going around in in, in slow mo from from a certain view. It is. I mean, it's just so fucking devastating. And, you know, Deontay Wilder is what he is as a fighter. Everybody kind of gets wrapped up in this, like, oh, he gets wild. He's looping shots and this, that, and the other. Yeah, he fucking does. His skill set is garbage for the most part, except for this guy has maybe the best one, two in boxing right now. And it comes with blazing, blazing speed now. I don't know what the fuck Brazil was doing throwing these lazy ass left hooks out there. It was some of the sorriest like, dude, what kind of lead left hook is that? You are, you're a huge man. You're throwing that. I mean, I can throw a lead left hook harder than that. So, you know, it was easy work for Wilder, but, but all that being said, man, when, when, when you're a boxing fan and you tune into fights on, on Saturday night, you know, we all love to see the skill and, 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 you know the beauty of some of the best boxers in the world when they go to work, the technicians. But let's not let's not sugarcoat what we actually want when we come to watch a fight. We come to see somebody get knocked the fuck out, and that's what Deontay Wilder did, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I agree with everything that you said about Deontay Wilder's overall skill set, I think at this point in time, we don't really need to talk about that anymore. It speaks for itself, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I I think the, what would have been worse for Deontay Wilder was going rounds with this guy, because like you said, whatever those things that uh, Dominic Brazil was, I guess, you know, posing as punches in the ring. I mean, they were sorry, dude, they were so sorry. Like, You couldn't even focus on the punch. They were so slow and weak. All you saw was like that underarm, like flab jiggle. You know what I'm saying? Like that's all you could see. It was like almost like it was in slow motion, like his punch was coming. And you just see this bag of fat just going Look like
0: look like your grandma's arm, Ken
1: exactly exactly look like my grandma (laughs) reaching for a diet coke um (laughs) you know look so Deontay Wilder did what he should have done I'm glad he didn't fuck around with this guy I'm glad he just went in there and blasted him out because that's the statement we know that Brazil is nothing more than a warm body in the ring but don't 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 play with your food you know what I mean don't play around. Don't try to pretend like, look, guys, let me show you like these new boxing moves that I learned. No, no. he went in there and, and did exactly um, what he needed to do. And look, is it a is it a statement? I don't know, man, with the division in the heavyweight di- uh, uh, division right now, you know, between the entities, the three best heavyweights being on separate networks, uh, you know, separate uh, promotional entities. I don't I don't know what kind of statement it makes. What I do know is, is that Luis Ortiz is probably like, man, I should have taken that seven and a half milli to take on Anthony Joshua. I don't know if I want to rematch with that.
0: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and you know, you know, it was more telling than anything was the comments from Wilder in the ring after the fight. And there's also a uh, there's an interview floating around with Shelly Finkel. He's he gets interviewed by Sky Sports, I believe. And I, I would suggest anybody go watch it because it's he, he says he makes some very telling statements about uh, you know the future of the heavyweight division and, you know, where we stand as far as a Joshua Wilder fight goes, because yes, does everybody want to see Joshua Fury rematch or, I mean, a Wilder Fury rematch? Absolutely. 100%. But the fight at heavyweight and has been for, you know, two years now is Wilder Joshua. So, you know, these comments that they're making and I get what they're doing, you know, it's all positioning, it's all talk, it's all whatever, but it just, as a boxing fan, you got to sit back and go, oh, God. Here we fucking go. Um, so it's not happening next, right? We know, obviously, as much as Luis Ortiz was featured in, uh, on Showtime last night, it's pretty clear what's coming next. And we pretty much knew that going in. I mean, when Ortiz turned down that $6 million, he turned it down because his advisors and the PBC and that management group said, look, we need you for our guy later this year. And you losing to Joshua ruins that. And we don't have anybody else. You know, one thing that happened with Wilder last night is, you know, his profile may not be raised anymore amongst diehard boxing fans because we know, we knew that was going to happen. We know the power that Wilder possesses, but a knockout like like that makes its rounds across all media in all countries and everybody sees it, and there's going to be a bunch of people that are now intrigued by what Deontay Wilder was able to do last night and wanting to watch his next fight. So it couldn't have been any – for the business of Deontay Wilder and and Shelly Finkel and, and where, they, where they stand in the heavyweight division, it couldn't have gone any better. I guarantee you Shelly Finkel had a fucking smile from ear to ear after that fight knowing that his guy delivered – I mean, he's, he, you know, he's taking a chance on holding out and, you know, everything you hear them talking about after the fight, we're not going to take, we're not doing anything on their terms. We're going to do it when we want to do it, how, you know, how we want it. This is not about them. This is, if you want to make a fight, you're going to want to, ne- you're going to have to negotiate, not tell us here's what you're getting. And, and, and it couldn't have gone any better for them uh, for a business aspect moving forward, but I couldn't care less about any of that. Just fucking make the fight, man. I mean, there's no reason to be dancing around, uh, you know, all these shitty fucking fights where we know the outcome. It's the worst. It's the worst, worst part of boxing right now. And you got it in the freaking co-main fight, which was the biggest joke I've ever seen. I, I can remember watching in the last three years with Gary Russell and Kiko Martinez. Those fights are doing nothing but hurting the sport of boxing in the long run. Thank God. For our sake, that that fight didn't drag out and Wilder was able to spark him and ice him out in two and a half minutes. Because anything beyond that, it, it's it becomes just annoying and monotonous and just boxing. There's too much of it in boxing right now. So I'm just glad that that, that Wilder was able to do what he was able to do last night.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, he he, he definitely raised his profile, um, not amongst you know, diehard fans, it's like you just said, like these matchups to the people that, that pay, you know, too close attention to the sport. It does, it gets monotonous and you get, and you get tired of it. And you're like, geez, I mean, come on, just make the fucking fight. But the truth of the matter is, like you said, dude, ESPN led with the knockout on. I mean, it was, it was the first thing, right. Led with Deontay Wilder, Dominic Brazil, dude. It was one of the leading stories on FoxNews.com. I mean, it was everywhere. The knockout
0: was everywhere. CBS Sports, uh, yeah, all over the place, man. Everybody, everybody, this morning woke up. If you didn't watch it, you're seeing. That's one of the first thing you're seeing as a sports fan as to what happened yesterday in the world of sports. Period.
1: And now the people that don't have any backstory, that don't know about Deontay Wilder's really suspect resume. You know what I'm saying? Like, huh. like about about his lack of of overall boxing skill. People want to see a fucking train wreck. You know what I'm saying? They want to see an explosion. They want to see a fight. Remember when when, dude, when the internet video streaming first started, what did people go on and and, and want to watch? I'm talking about pre-YouTube. They wanted to go on fucking e-bombs world and watch, you know, bum fights. You know what I'm saying? They wanted to go on there and watch, uh, uh, what's his name? The, 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 the big black dude that, that fought in the UFC for a minute. I can't remember. Uh, Kim- Kimbo Slice. Yeah, Kimbo. Remember? Yeah, Kimbo Slice fighting in somebody's backyard. Like that's what people gravitated towards. You know, it's like the first time like anybody ever streamed. Hey, hey, hey you got to check out this video. Right. And this guy got this guy walking up to a a Burger King drive through where there's a fucking homeless drunk leaning up against the menu board, and he brings another homeless guy from across the street, gives them both twenty bucks, and they fight in the drive through. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? Like people just gravitate towards anything that it, it, it's the bloodlust. They, they froth for it and they can see a guy like Deontay Wilder. Um, and, and, you know, they can relate to Deontay Wilder. He's an American heavyweight. It's not traditional. Okay. Like, I'm not so sure that Deontay Wilder even means the things that he says about catching bodies. Cause it seems, it seems forced. It seems wwe persona which is fine if that's what you got to do you know to sell yourself and 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 to make your persona it's not anything like mike tyson back in the day mike tyson meant everything that he said mike you know what i'm saying like there were there were screws loose mike tyson's trainer used to hypnotize him to make him mentally a killer literally used to hypnotize him to brainwash him so he had a certain disposition going into fights. Deontay Wilder, you can tell that it's not natural. That 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 he's working into this persona. And as it speaks to, you know, those comments, I want to be very clear. I made I made uh, uh, you know some comments on Twitter tagging the WBC and uh, Mauricio Suleiman um, for their hypocrisy about about Deontay Wilder's comments. Everybody, you need to understand this. I don't give a shit about what Deontay Wilder said. Had nothing to do with Deontay Wilder at all. My point was simply this the WBC is the biggest virtue signaling body of trash in professional sports. Okay. These Mauricio Suleiman pretends to be like the fucking steward of righteousness when it comes to boxing. All right. He tweets out a picture of Tony Harrison and Jermel Charlo. All right. Nose to nose. Looks like the two are kissing. And talks about the new code of ethics and conduct. This will not be allowed anymore in boxing. <laughs> it's like, hold on a second. If these if these two if these two motherfuckers want to kiss on stage, let them kiss. If 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 they want to headbutt each other, if they want to talk trash, if Canelo wants to get in his Bruce Lee jumpsuit and do a karate position, like It's that's part of boxing. And you want to we need to put a halt to these uncomfortable moments on stage. Meanwhile, your heavyweight champion who's carrying your belt is saying he wants to put a body on his record. (laughs) That's the thing. And it took guys like me and other people saying, hey, hypocrites. Hey, hypocrites. Like, like, stop with your virtue signaling. Like, stop trying to be something you're not. Stay your ass down in Mexico and maybe try to address some of the fucked up situations that are going on down there. Okay, let's bring tourism back to Mexico. Okay, let's stop the fucking heads getting chopped off and people getting kidnapped. And you're worried about two motherfuckers in America standing on stage, headbutting, talking shit. Give me a break. Yeah. The W B the WBC never stops, dude. They never stop. We don't need your virtue signaling. We don't need your righteousness. If Deontay Wilder wants to say something stupid, let him say something stupid. He's drawing attention to himself, which
0: means more money in your pocket. We don't need it. Yeah, look, it, it cracks me up, because to me, I'll, I'll point to a press conference that uh, Barry Bonds had when he was going through his, his, old, his whole roid incident and all that stuff, and he looked at the media and said, go clean out your own closet before you come looking in mine to clean out mine. And that's what I would say to the WBC, take care of your own fucking mess of a situation. That is the WBC. You have no rules. You have no regulations. You operate on where you see fit, when you see fit in a situation that requires you to bend or, or break your rules for certain fighters like Canelo Alvarez, uh, uh, just that whole situation with Canelo after testing positive and Canelo kind of, you know, oh, I'm mad at the WBC now. I don't like the WBC. Fuck the WBC. They kiss ass and lick fucking feet until they get back in the good graces of Canelo. And now everything is all fine and dandy. And Canelo's the golden boy of the WBC and Mauricio Suleiman's wearing Canelo gear. It's just, I mean, it's so fucking, it's like, This is boxing. This, these guys, I don't care what anybody says. These sanctioning bodies have always been the fucking problem because they don't operate under any, there's no, there's no rule. There's no nothing. They, they do what they want. They call their own shots. They have no regulations. It's to me, it's, uh, you know, it's typical fucking WBC. They've always been the worst. They are the worst. They still are the worst. And I'm sorry, man. I, I, you know, I could care less what the WBC says, what Mauricio Suleiman says. Have a hearing. The guy, you ever heard of freedom of speech? Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, the comments are dumb as fuck. Nobody should ever say they want to catch a body and and be responsible for killing a man in a ring when we know it's happened before in the past. And after watching that right-hand land last night, are you fucking lucky he didn't kill him? Honestly, he is. So, you know, yes, the comments are stupid, but what's even stupider is how the how the WBC handled it. It's just a complete fucking joke, man. But that's just it.
1: Nobody needs the WBC to 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 legislate anything. No. Like like who are you? Like you you know what I'm saying? Like, "Oh, you sanctioned the fight." Oh, really? What does that even mean anymore? If these two want to fight, they can apply for licenses and fucking fight. Go to Toys R Us and buy some WWE plastic spinner belts and say those are on the line. Keep the money yourself. You know, like there's all this talk about how you need the sanctioning bodies to to make certain fights. Okay, that's all fine and fucking good every three years. Right. I mean, honestly, it's like every three or four years they 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 actually, uh, you know, the fervor, uh, uh, you know, the fever pitch of of boxing fans saying like, okay, we're done with the buildups. We're done with the setups. Can we actually get some fights going on? Right. Then they'll step up and act like, Oh, we're here to save the day. The, the WBC, sw- uh, you know, dives in with their Superman cape on and their green belts. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, now it uh, hereby mandatory. We will mandate that things happen. It's not up to them at the end of the day. No, if, 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 if somebody doesn't want to fight somebody, then they're not going to fight somebody. And if the fight wants to get made, it's going to get made, okay? So it, it, it's not – to me, they're, they're, they've always been pointless, and they make themselves even more pointless. like, okay, sit down, talk to Deontay Wilder. What are you all going to talk about? What's his punish? Are you going to punish him? Are you going to punish him because fans called you out and you're just kind of rolling with how Twitter feels, the pulse of Twitter? gonna be like hey man twitter is 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 making my phone warm it's warming my hand up okay we need to do something about this like if you want to have a punishment here here should be deontay wilder's punishment your mandatory is 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 anthony joshua you need to fight him by december otherwise we're taking the belt i'll never do it that i know but that's what i'm saying like don't act like you have the teeth to do anything when in reality the only thing that you can do, you will not do. And guess what? By doing that, you actually become richer. Can you? Holy shit! Uh, it's I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I hate falling down that, you know, that rabbit hole of of of, of these sanctioning <laughs> bodies. But but I, you know, not to get completely wrapped around the axle here. But you know, my entire point it was calling them out because they try to act like they know what's best for everything. You know, Dante Wilder can do and say whatever he wants. If he ends up killing somebody in the ring, he's going to have to fucking live with that.
0: Yep. And there's a certain point where a fight becomes so big or fights become so big that it, the sanctioning bodies don't matter. It's they'll be made when the money is right, period. And when the money is right, the WBC will swoop in and get their cut. They don't have anything to do with making or like at those WBC conventions where here's the fights we're mandated. It's like, let's pick the best matchups in each divi- division division We'll, we'll pick about 10 of them, and we'll announce that we've mandated these fights because we're for the best fighting the best. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that nonsense, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, all those fighters
1: that have been mandated are all, like, uh, moving up other sanctioning bodies' rankings. Right. Don't Unbelievable.
0: Matter,
1: Unbelievable. All right, let's get to uh, Gary Russell Jr. versus Kiko Martinez. Vin, um, first and foremost, what was the uh, – the ring walk from Gary Russell Jr. I felt like after he came down with all those tribesmen and shields and spears and then he came out behind them, I thought for a second, like there was going to be some like, like big fat guy with a crown come behind him and, and start and just start like belting out a song from coming to America is she's your queen to be <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's what it felt like the
0: felt like the wedding scene from from coming to america what was that it's I, I thought of two things when i saw it i thought of is this guy like doing a kamala from the wwf back in the day bit i mean what is what is this fucking what is going on here or is this uh is this guy like an extra on the set of the fucking jungle book i i, I don't like it's just A fighter's tried too hard sometimes. It's fine. Whatever. I mean, it would be one thing if if Gary Russell was relevant in the sport, but he's not. So it's just, it it was fucking comical. And the fight was even more comical. I mean, just like two rounds in, it's like, what are we watching here? What what are we doing? This Kiko Martinez is getting peppered, absolutely peppered with shots. He cannot receive, if he landed three punches in that fight, I'd be surprised. By the fourth round, I'm like, look, man, just fucking throw in the towel. We don't need. I mean, your man is just gonna. He, he's taking unnecessary fucking punishment, and this is this is not good for anybody. Nobody wants to watch this. I, you know, is that that was the biggest joke of the day yesterday? Was that fight? What did you make of uh, of
1: of Gary Russell's shirt on the back about Leo Santa Cruz and and saying what up Al like? That was very strange for an Al Heyman fighter to be calling out Al Heyman like that so publicly.
0: Well, I think clearly, I mean, you know, you could say, we could say what we want about Gary Russell Jr. and him only fighting once a year, but I, I'm not, I, there's no way you can tell me that he hasn't asked for this fight for years because I'm pretty sure he dominates that fight and wins it pretty easily. But Leo Santa Cruz, for whatever reason, has been the most protected Al Heyman fighter out of all of them.
1: Leo Santa Cruz named his son after Al Heyman. Uh, Yeah, Uh, you know,
0: so I I get it, and and we've heard rumors before uh, before the card kicked off that Gary Russell Jr. might be heading to the zone. So you know, he's probably saying he probably did that to like say, "Look, fuck you, Al. Either get me the fight or I want out. I'm tired of it." And if that's the case, then uh, then look, I applaud Gary Russell Jr. You know. Get out of there. Get, if you can't get the fights you want and you've been asking for them, then, then what are, what are we doing here? You know, uh, there's, uh, there's always been this narrative that surrounds Gary Russell Jr. about, you know, a certain group of fans that will say, he's the most avoided fighter in boxing. He's like, nobody wants to fight him. Nobody wants to fight him. Maybe that's the truth. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I bet you Carl Frampton didn't want to fight him. I bet you Scott Quigg didn't want to fight him. Uh, we know Leo Santa Cruz didn't want to fight him. So maybe he has just been froze out by everybody. I don't know. But that also doesn't, you know, make it okay to fight once a year and have that guy be Kiko Martinez. So there's two sides of the fucking pillow on, on this argument. But, you know, I, it is what it is, man. That, that fight last night was, you know, another example in a year of, of complete mismatches in the sport of boxing is we don't need it. Nobody needs it. Stop making fights that are that bad.
1: Let me ask you this. There's another part of this that we talked about in the past. It didn't relate to Gary Russell Jr., but it related to Al Heyman clients. from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm trying to remember back to when we were talking about this, but don't most, if not all, of the advisory agreements with Al Heyman have automatic re up clauses in them that if a fighter fights a certain amount of times within a certain amount like a certain time frame, that it automatically adds two years onto the
0: contract yeah but um, the wording is if it re, if it's not the amount of fights it's the amount so if you reach a sh- a certain earnings threshold you don't have a choice your contract is re-upped without you signing shit. so it, do you think that what Gary Russell's
1: been doing has been trying to get a, get away from Al Heyman, and we saw it with Danny Jacobs
0: right? he, he very well could be I mean that, that makes a lot of sense you know after what we heard leading up to this fight and, and him putting that shirt on after the fight? He is not a fucking happy camper.
1: So basically, he's given Al Heyman an ultimatum. I want uh, a real fight. I'll fight again this year. I want a real fight against Leo Santa Cruz, whoever. Whoever. I want a real fight. Otherwise, I mean, dude, he dropped Burchelt's name. So if that means that Gary Russell, I don't know, from what we're hearing, Dazone might be an option. Well, maybe Top Rank's an option. You know what I'm saying? Maybe his contract is up, and that was, um, you know, a, a kick to the dick of Al Heyman saying, "Hey, you want to re? If you want to re-sign me, then give me the Leo fight. If you don't re-sign me, then I'm going to top rank and fighting
0: Burchelt, or I'm going to the zone and fighting wh- whoever the fuck. Yeah, you could go over there fight Tevin Farmer. I mean, he he mentioned moving up to 130 to get a fight with Tank if he stays in the PBC. I mean, something's got to happen. Something's got to give with this guy's career because you know you can say what you want about Gary Russell Jr. His, his career is frustrating as fuck because you see the talent." But it may not. It may not be all his fault. It may not be the fighters' fault. As much as we put stuff, you know, on, on fighters these days, a lot of times I think fighters take more blame than they should. When it's actually behind the scenes management that is holding shit back.
1: Yeah, because uh, look, it's uh, the fighters—the one with the microphone in their face. They're the ones like that's the only commentary that you get. I, I mean, we still we still don't even know if Al Heyman even exists. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. So. The only thing we have to go on with Gary Russell is just sort of his comments through the years that seem to be of a guy that is not as interested in boxing as he is in just collecting a you know decent-sized annual paycheck from it. And that could just come from the frustration of his deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, why am I going to go in there? I don't even like boxing that much. Like, why am I going to go in there? and put my life on the line when y'all can't even like help me out at all. I mean, the only real fight that he's had since the Lomachenko fight was a mandatory. And that was the Jojo Diaz fight. And I mean, I mean that's that's the only real fight he's had in, in 5 years. Yeah, and
0: just the fact that, you know, you look back on it and that Lomachenko fight came off. I mean, obviously if he's fighting Lomachenko without a, without a problem, that fight was made crossing barriers too. He clearly is not scared of fighting people because that was the toughest fight you could take. So, you know, I, it's funny to me, it, it, all you needed to know about last night was, if you were watching the undercards, Gary Russell Jr. was working the corner of his brothers before his fight. <laughs> he was working the corner. He had, I mean, there was nothing to worry about for him. That's how easy that fight was.
1: <laughs> he
0: was working the corners for all the Gary, <laughs> Gary, Gary, and Gary was all together.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Um, Yeah. You know, it's like I uh, you know said previously. This was Gary Russell Jr. versus the zombie version of Kiko Martinez. Um, all right, let's get to the World Boxing Super Series from Glasgow, Scotland. Um, let's start off with the bantamweights: um, Emmanuel Rodriguez versus the monster Niawa Inaway for the IBF 118 pound strap. Um, then there was some an interesting moment in the lead up to this fight. Where you see I think it was the father slash trainer of Emmanuel Rodriguez um, get in the face of Niall Inouye's father and pushed him. Yeah. And and Inouye's just kind of like just standing there with like this like like dead eyes. Like he didn't even flinch. He just like it was almost like his eye contact was just on Emmanuel Rodriguez, like just staring at him, going, Okay, you pushed my dad now you must die (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying i mean um emmanuel rodriguez is a real fighter dude and um you know after the first round of that fight i'm like man this thing could get explosive fast between the two of them like i'm thinking like we could be there's a tension um and enough good things that i saw in the first round of the fight where i'm thinking to myself i'm like wow this is going to be like a fucking five round barn burner right and there's going to be some some bloodshed and some people dropped and what happened in the second round i think gave there was like um you know you see this in uh uh you know um, um like graduations from like military boot camp where everybody you know you see 10,000 graduates stand at attention simultaneously that was the world's penises all, all simultaneously in the in the second round of this fight all went erect <laughs> All, all, all stood at attention. I mean, the what Niwa, Ni- in a way, literally in the second round of this fight, he compacted everything that you want to see from a great fighter. All of the, every aspect, talking about putting electric, accurate, uh, appropriate power shots together, talk about body movement, head movement, footwork it all happens so fast like you can go back and keep watching it and you're like holy shit holy shit holy shit like i I don't think i've ever seen a fighter put so many things together simultaneously since roman chocolatito gonzalez in his prime back in 2011 yeah honest to god i i have not but this came with an electricity and a thunder that literally, I mean, dude,
0: it fucking shook the world. Yeah, I would say that, you know, at the pace he's on right now, he the, the, the electricity that surrounds this guy is unbelievable. And, and you mentioned a little bit of it. His ability to be in the pocket and in the line of fire, his, his, his ability to, to time and his accuracy on landing just the perfect shot. There's two fighters in the world right now, in my opinion, that, that are able to do what he did last night and do it uh, at, a, at a, just an unreal level. And it's him and Terrence Crawford. They'll be in an exchange, and the next thing you know, it's like, what, what the fuck? Oh, my, what just happened there? And you and you see this beautifully placed, like the uppercut that uh, Crawford landed on uh, Benavides, that left hook uh, that, that Inouye landed yesterday. I mean, they're just pinpoint shots thrown at the right. T- it's like that very rarely do you get a fighter who knows how to pick his shots. So fucking well. And when they pick them, they land them dead on the button. This guy is a special, special town immediately. You know, everybody. I mean, you know, this isn't a, you know, there are a lot of times in boxing. You get the prisoner of the moment type of shit. And immediately everybody after the fight is saying, this guy's number one pound for pound. You're going to get zero fucking argument from me on that. I you know there's there's any number of three or four fighters that you can toss in a in a in a hat and pick a name out but this guy is you know w- w- you you really don't know the level like most people don't know the level of fighter that Emmanuel Rodriguez is you could go back and watch that first round and see that he saw stuff and he he may had a, a couple nice counter shots and you that's why after the first round you went oh all right this this might get this might get interesting, uh, Rodriguez ain't no fucking slouch in there, and just as soon as you start to think that, this guy turns it on to another level. I, I just I, I I never ever uh, in, in the last few years have I come away from a fight so impressed, and I think everybody when in in, a, in boxing Twitter is a weird fucking place, man but very rarely does everybody like come together as a group and fucking raise their hand in solidarity on something. And, and yesterday they were able to do that on anyway. I think the last time I seen that was when what's his name? Uh, the UK fighter, uh, Anthony Fowler got dropped a couple months ago and everybody's like, finally, fuck that guy, Jesus Christ. But uh, you know, it's, it's very rare that everybody can see something special in a fighter and have no argument as to what it is. Uh, and, and right now, that's that's in a way. I, you, you Rank them wherever you want to rank them on your pound-for-pound pound list. I don't give a shit. Nobody gives a shit. The bottom line is the guy is the single most electric fighter we have in the sport right now. I mean, you're talking about he's mowed down former champions, current champions, and he does it in a matter of minutes. I mean, we're not – we're not talking going deep into fights. He's got two fights that have that have gone the distance in his career. Other than that, he's fucking wiping the floor with with solid, solid competition. So
1: so what would be more impressive to you? What Inouye did in the second round against Emmanuel Rodriguez yesterday, or Arya Stark murking the Night King?
0: <laughs> That's a tough one. Tough call. I mean, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with Gojira.
1: <laughs> Gojira it is um yeah you know as far as uh I'm, I'm not gonna get like wrapped up into the oh now he's pound for pound because he's the most recent right. like impre- impression i've gotten from you know you know one of the best fighters in the world i think that it's pretty clear now though right i think that that what we've seen <clears throat> is pretty clear and I'm, I'm gonna exclude canelo from this because you know Beating a guy that you were heavily favored over in and Danny Jacobs and beating Rocky Fielding and losing twice to Gennady Golovkin and cheating on steroids that does not qualify you as one of the best fighters in the world. I mean, and is just Canelo people like,
0: very upset?
1: I don't care. So you know, so does that make Canelo like one of the like one of the top ten fighters in the world? Sure, yeah. sure, yeah. I I I'd put him in the lower half. There's no doubt about it. But there's too much context to say that he's anywhere in not like like he's not anywhere close to the top five for me. I mean it's 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 very clear. We don't do pound for pound lists anymore, but I'm just gonna tell you right now who the best fighters in the world are. And everybody else can go suck a dick. Um it's 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 obvious, right? It's Vasily Lomachenko, it's Niowa, in a way, it's Terrence Crawford, and it's Alexander Usyk. All right. Everybody else on there has too much baggage, too much there's too much context, there's too much of everything Surrounding these fighters, I mean, you know, you say, "Oh, can you?" What about Errol Spence? He's got to be up there. Why? Because he just beat a fucking overrated lightweight. Oh, Mike, Oh, Mikey Garcia's got to be up there. Why? Because he just got completely like, like in, like, embarrassed to the point, like, where fighters, like, it's, it's, it's almost at the Mikey Garcia's performance against Errol Spence is at the embarrassment level of Guillermo Rigondeaux quitting against Lomachenko. I mean, let, I mean, let's be honest here. L- let's start separating this now right? Let's start separating who is truly the dominant forces in the sport of boxing. And it's those guys that I just said, am, am, am I leaving anybody out of that? The four best fighters in the world? No, then?
0: no, I don't, I don't think you are. I think most people, and I've seen it going around. Most people say the five best fighters in the world, and they throw Canelo in there as their fifth. You can do that. You can no. do that. If you want, That that's fine. I would
1: If you, if you like guys that are, that have like coming off of multiple losses and that, that, that do drugs and, you know, if that's you want them ranked at the ho, at, at at you know at the top, then you know what? I am gonna have Lucas Brown's ranked fifth. Then, okay, I'm gonna rank I'm gonna rank Lucas Brown fifth because that's where Canelo falls in the spectrum of of fucking credibility in boxing. Right, okay? and you just
0: said it right there. It's the credibility, and and it's all the other stuff that surrounds Canelo Alvarez, where it's very hard to just say definitively that you can put him there. You know, I, on a on a skill level basis, when you're watching him fight and and the way he operates in the ring sure yeah absolutely i'd say he's a top 5 fighter when it comes to that but you cannot ignore everything else that surrounds it we're not i'm not i'm sorry you can if you'd like but there there's 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 realities here okay and and it is what it is but you you're right the, the four that you mentioned they have separated themselves above and beyond everybody so you can put canelo f- f- number 5 or bring him into the list if you want but he hasn't separated himself like those other four that you mentioned. There just is a clear gap there. After It's one through four. After that, do whatever the hell you want to do with wh- whoever else. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you can't be ranked as the number one pound for pound. And and I, I think I can actually make an argument that Canelo shouldn't even be ranked in the top 10 pound for pound. Okay, so you beat Shane Mosley when he was past his prime. Jose Cito Lopez was never in his prime. Um, some people felt like you lost uh, to Austin Trout. Some y- You definitely lost to Floyd Mayweather. You fought Alfredo Angulo, for God's sake. Uh, most people think you lost to Erzlandi Lara. James Kirkland was a suspect. Miguel Cotto, way past his prime. Amir Khan. Uh, Amir, <laughs> Amir Khan. Uh, Liam Smith. Julio Cesar Chavez. Then you lost twice to Golovkin. Then you beat Rocky Fielding your most legitimate victory in, in your careers against Danny Jacobs.
0: The one that you, can, that, <laughs> that you can point to as a very clear win, yeah, you're 100% right because all those other ones, all those other tight wins you mentioned, there's plenty of argument on the other side and legit argument on the other side that it could have gone the other way.
1: And all the other guys were past their prime. And, and, and how long did you wait to lose back-to-back fights to Gennady Golovkin? You waited until he got old to do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so look, I know that Canelo fans are very, you know, are very sensitive, but there are two sides to the story. You could spin what I just read to you off and, and, and give me all the reasons in the world why he should be ranked. I'm sorry. Canelo Alvarez is one of the most well-rounded fighters in the world. He is not at the level of Nioh Inoue, Vasily Lomachenko, Alexander Usyk, and Terrence Crawford, period. So have a nice day. <laughs>
0: All right, let's get this back on track. We winded down that Canelo road real quick. <laughs>
1: hey, I'm I'm cool with it, man. I'm cool. Hey, we only got one more thing to talk about, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. All right. So uh, Ivan Baronchuk versus Josh Taylor um, in the 140 pound class here, Vin. Um, this was a you know a fight that Josh Taylor um, and Ivan Baronchuk both coming into this. I mean, these were you know uh, career defining fight at this point in time um, for both guys. You want to talk about it, just a a, a physical disparity between the two of these guys. I mean, chuck looked like he had boob implants. This guy was so fucking thick. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he did. he's
0: got a stout chest boy.
1: Could you imagine like, like, like chuck versus Provodnikov like that, like that would have been just absolute insanity. I mean, that's the thing about Baron Chuck coming into this fight with Josh Taylor is is like, can this guy really beat a stylist like Josh no. Taylor? I am concerned about Josh Taylor, though, a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, dude, he, he's got a bird chest of like a
0: 14-year-old boy. <laughs> well, he's a tall 140, that's for sure. And, and, and you know, look, Baron Chuck is is such a uh, – I, I have – you know, after – when I was watching that fight yesterday, I'm wondering why Taylor's being – a little more cautious than he normally is, and he, and he's using his feet a little bit more. And it's because Baronchuk is is just not your everyday run-of-the-mill fighter. He throws these weird shots from weird angles, like winging, wings them from out of range. You have to be like when you have a fighter like Baronchuk, you have to operate somewhat cautiously because the guy can punch. If there's one thing he can do, he can hit, he can crack, and he's tough as hell. So you you have to approach the fight a little bit. There, Josh Taylor's not a a guy that likes a you know a tear up and you know a a phone booth fight. He's a boxer puncher and a slick a booth. <laughs> <laughs> He's a slick southpaw man, and you know to me, I, I, I'll still come away from that fight thinking that when when we get to uh when we get to this re- uh, pro gray Taylor fight, that Taylor is a slight favorite because of the size and length advantage he holds and his ability to to be a slick southpaw in the ring. I you know, I, I I I don't lose anything as far as how highly I thought of Josh Taylor. This guy is a is a top top operator in the ring. You know, it, there's you know, his skill level and the way he's able to kind of he's just so his his everything's kind of effortless with him. It doesn't look like he's hitting that hard and then the next thing you know baron chuck's getting dropped twice so you know this guy is a is a legit legit talent and this fucking fight with pro gray coming up i i hope the wbss hurries their asses up and doesn't take seven months to make this fight because this second round took a little while to get together they had to find money they had to reach into the sofa whatever the fuck they had to do to get the money to make this right um you know Let's, let's get this thing. This needs to come to an end here before the end of the year. I don't want to be waiting into January and February of next year, but I will say this, you know, even with the WBSS and the money struggles and all that shit, and this is, you know, they prove once again, that, that card, those two fights, the WBSS is, is what boxing should be across the board. It should always be this way. It should all, there should always be fights uh, from two guys and another set of two guys that lead to fighting each other. There, there's, you know, the direction and, the, and their, the ability to get all these guys into these top-level guys into this tournament and and have them fight. Is, uh, it's everything that's great about boxing, but it also reminds you that boxing has no clue what it's doing outside of the WBSS because uh, almost every fight you see is a complete mismatch.
1: I mean, literally, Dick Schaefer had to wait for Cal Sourland to pass out so he could steal his Coke stash and sell it <laughs> so they could get these guys paid. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Um, look, here's my concern. You know, we didn't talk about way Donaire because, um, you know, I had to drop some knowledge on people as it regards to, you know, uh, mythical uh, rankings lists. But uh, we'll get to that in a second. But as far as Progray and Taylor goes, here's here's my concern for – both fighters, okay? And this is why I think it's 50-50, and I don't know who I favor in this matchup, all right? With Progray, I think he feels himself a little bit too much, right? I think he feels his power a little bit too much, and my concern is is that he's going to go after Taylor's head. And if he gets lured into thinking that he can knock Taylor out by headhunting, Taylor's going to outbox him and win the fight, Yeah, right? Now, my my, my biggest problem and concern that I have for Taylor is his physique. And he let Baron Chuck touch him to the body way too much in this fight. I thought Josh Taylor did a horrible job defending his body. Horrible job. When he had his elbows down, he was not protecting the the sides of his torso and his kidneys whatsoever. He had them tucked in on his stomach. And Baron Chuck lit him up to the body. Go back rewatch the fight, I guarantee you at least 25% of the punches that Baron Chuck landed in this fight wore to Josh Taylor's body. And if Progre doesn't feel himself too much and go headhunting for Josh Taylor and he goes after Josh Taylor's body, Progray's going to win.
0: Yeah, I think for the first time we saw Josh Taylor have some uncomfortable moments in the ring. And you're right. There was, there was a couple times where uh, Baron landed some nice, like three, four punch hook combinations to each side of his body. And, and Taylor seemingly like, was like, go ahead and do it. I, I it was very odd um, almost because it was, you're right. He, it, the, the guard was not where it needed to be. And he was letting them land. You know? Those will feel different coming from Progray. I, I agree. Though, right? 100%. I, I, I no doubt in my mind, he cannot take some of the punches that he took from Baron Chuck and the same punches from pro gray will do more damage. And, you know, he may be able to outbox gray but the, the difference is, is if gray can withstand the punishment and, and bring it right back to Taylor, is Taylor going to be able to last that 12 rounds, uh, you know, uh, taking big shots to the body, a big shot? I, I think Taylor got buzzed at least once in that fight last night to the head as well. So, yeah, this fight got a little bit closer on paper to me. I still favor Taylor a little bit, but God damn, if this isn't the most intriguing fight that we have right now that we know is going to happen outside of the pipe dream fights that uh, that everybody in boxing wants to see this one's actually on paper and going to happen there's no better fight in boxing right now that's that's on the ledger that you can go down and say is going to be better than this one
1: so you're so you're resigned to the fact that that keith's going to get marked by by manny then what you, uh, excuse me what <laughs> That's well, you said that this was the best one, so so I just figured that you were just like, well, Dude, you know, deep down inside, you were just like, man. Well, Manny gonna get no, Keith.
0: Keith, gonna get Manny with the check left hook, son, coming right up into that <laughs> thing, and like uh, good night. <laughs> Take your ass back to the <laughs> Senate floor, Manny. Can <laughs> <King> Keith <laughs> from did you, here? Did you see the betting odds for the yeah, fight? Yeah, Thurman's a betting favorite, and guess what? I ain't I ain't surprised, Ken.
1: I think it it's Manny's even money. I saw him at plus 100 and uh I saw Keith at minus 130. So it's pretty Yeah, I close. think the
0: first ones I saw, I th- the first odds I saw was Keith minus 140, Manny plus 120. And I knew I I figure I'm not placing a bet yet because I figure those odds are going to flip come fight night. I think by the time that some money starts coming in, Manny will be the favorite in that fight because everybody you all boxing people you talk to nobody expects keith thurman to win that fight which I, I don't i don't blame him for a second it's hard to pick a guy who's fought three times in three years and he's and he's fighting a legend so you know to me that i thought the odds were strange but that's also bookmakers playing games with people you know that that's what they do they want the early money to come here then they'll adjust the odds you know it's it's all a game they're they they play the game too
1: yeah those odds are yeah you know it's 50 50 fight those odds are, um only display the age difference exactly, between the fighters. Exactly. That's it. Um, all right, real quick before we get out of here. There's some people out there, and I I think I even saw footage of Manny Pacquiao's mom um, doing some voodoo witchcraft uh prayers um for the life of Nonito Donaire as he now has to face uh Nyawa In a way. Um I I don't know about this man. I I I, I haven't seen In a way take a Nonito Donaire 118 pounds left hook right but Nonito Donaire is not 23 24 years old anymore he's 35 um is this should should we say a prayer before we <laughs> before we sign off here today or is this more prisoner of the moment type stuff i mean what do you think about way versus Donaire. I think Innoe
0: is going to do the same thing he's done to everybody. If this fight lasts a full three, four rounds, I, I'd be shocked because, you know, what's Donaire's best punch? A left hook. Okay. He's going to have to be in range to get hit with a left hook from Innoe to land his. Who's going to get there first? You know, it's not, you know, it's not. I, I'll say this I respect the hell out of Anito Donaire. I look forward to the fight. I hope he does put one on Inouye's chin and we and we see something that we haven't seen yet. And inouye has got to go to a to the next gear to get a fighter out of there. But I I just I don't see that happening. I mean, this is a formality, man. And I I don't think we need yeah, to say a prayer, yeah. but you know, NoNito taking a canvas nap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the way that Inouye does it. Like, you know, it's it's his fatality move in Mortal Kombat, right? and it's something that you know i think we've seen uh, you know a bunch of respectable trainers um, you know in the boxing twitter world make comment of that not enough fighters do and the way that way finishes you once he hurts you to the head then he finishes you he saws you in half yeah. to the body he goes for the body after he hurts you to the head so once donaire gets clipped it may not be a one night uh, you know a one punch sleeper but once donaire is up dude He's going to get sawed in half. And one thing that at this weight class, with Donaire, remember Donaire went all the way up to 126 pounds and then came all the way back down and has looked pretty good at 118 pounds. But to make 118 pounds at his age, in a way, is going to literally pulverize Donaire's kidneys. And it, it's it's the way in a way finishes fights. And it, it would be advantageous, especially to an elder statesman like Gennady Golovkin, who's been criticized for headhunting, you know, over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. If you wanna teach a young fighter that's got some power, you wanna if you wanna if you wanna take a, for example, a Teofimo Lopez to the next level, to that level, that 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 Lomachenko level, that in a way level that he wants to be on start watching film on how Inaway finishes fights. You start finishing fights that way and nobody going to want to fucking get in the ring. A lot of the nobody. best
0: fighters in the world when they finish fights for good it's to the body and and, and you know that's it's one of them things in boxing where it's not it's not the you know it's not the highlight real knockout but let me tell you something it's, it's it's sometimes even more devastating to a fighter because it's crippling. I mean if anybody if you've ever been hit by a legit body shot it, your legs just go. They're not there. It's, it's the most painful, painful feeling I, I, that I've ever felt is being hit by a legit body shot. Um, and, and I, let's say this about in a way, there's a lot of fucking rumors floating around because of Michael Benson on Twitter, you know, talked to, talked to Bob Aram and Bob Aram said, uh, well, in a way, he's coming to top rank, uh, when the tournament's over. No, he ain't. No, he's not. He's not going to top rank. Please tell me, if he was going to get top rank, please tell me uh, why ESPN and Dan Rayfuel and, and people aren't writing stories about it everywhere. It's because it's not happening, people. Just because somebody says something one time and Michael Benson sends a tweet out about it, don't get all carried away with shit, man.
1: Uh, Since when does Michael Benson actually talk to actual like living bodies? <laughs> I thought he just cut and pasted other Apparently people's he's tweets. he's legit,
0: Ken. I don't know. Who knows? What? <laughs> I, I, I certainly know this. When he says something, I don't take his word for it and, like, well, in a way, he's going to top rank. It's come on, you know.
1: So, are you saying that our sources from top rank are better not, than they his? might be?
0: <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about, Ken. His... Sources. I don't have no source.
1: <laughs> you got sources, Ben. You got sources. <laughs> Oh no, man! We're just two, you know, two two hillbillies with a podcast, right? Picks and Hicks, episode two (laughs) thirty three. I forgot all about
0: that. Old Hicks and Picks is back.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was one of the funniest criticisms we've ever gotten in the world. It's like, what the hell is this podcast? These two rednecks should call this thing Hicks with Picks. (laughs) I wear that crown proudly. Oh, it's so funny. So funny. All right. Well, no news and notes today. Sorry. We're not doing any fight previews. You got an hour out of us, um, talking about, um, an exciting weekend of fights. And, uh, tonight is the, uh, season, uh, the series finale of game of Thrones real quick before we leave then
0: who dies and who reigns supreme uh, tonight. You know, I, I, I don't know who's going to sit on the, the iron throne. I feel like it's going to be something that not anybody sees coming and probably everybody's going to complain about it. But here's my prediction will be that Jon Snow is going to kill uh, his aunt this evening on Game of Thrones. I don't know how, but uh, yeah, I feel like Jon's going to, going to get him some.
1: Hmm. I like it. I like it. Here's my prediction. My prediction is, is that Jon is going to go to try to kill Daenerys, right? And Daenerys is going to sick her dragon on him. And she's going to yell Dracarys and the flame's going to come out and that motherfucker's going to stand there and be like, what? I'm a Targaryen, (laughs) son. You can't burn me. You can't burn me. And while she's distracted by the fact that she couldn't torch Jon Snow, Arya is going to do air Arya one more time. And I think at the end of it, I think (laughs) air Arya one more time. And I think at the end of it, honestly and truthfully i think sansa is going to be the one that sits on the I, I
0: feel like it's got to be a woman right in the world in, in today's world they can't put a they can't put a white man on the throne can they can
1: <laughs> no 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 but he ain't getting no, burned by ain't. that fire no, we, you know what i'm saying people are like but what about the dragon who's going to kill the dragon all they need to do is kill her and then he can exactly, ride the dragon man. i can't wait.
0: he'll pull He'll, he'll pull security for his sisters. Right. You know what I'm saying? One way or another, I can't wait to watch it. And I also can't wait for it to, to come to a conclusion and be over.
1: Yes. And all of you uh, fu- fucking losers out there that uh, I think there's over a million of you now that have signed a petition that you want the series remade, uh, the, um, the final season remade because it didn't go the way that you want it. Take your petition and there, shove it up your there, ass. There you have okay. it,
0: folks. That's the, uh, the, everybody gets a ribbon world chiming in. It's not going my way. If doesn't go my way, <laughs> then something has to be done about it. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Hey, hey! come on, Ben. Come on. All right? Look, there's, there's been plenty of the greatest shows of all time, honestly and truthfully, that I would take seasons of my favorite. I'm talking about the greatest shows of all time, the most highly rated Shows of all time, like season two of The Wire, I would torch that fucking thing. So, well, you know what I'm saying? I would I would douse it in gasoline and light it on fire. One of the greatest shows bad. ever, though. Yeah, exactly, uh, dude. Every show, dude. The first. What was it? The first five seasons of Sons of Anarchy were fucking off the hook. The last two were two of the worst seasons of television in history. So you can't always get it how you Sipranos want it. Sopranos you know had I mean?
0: some, I mean, just back to back, I think two or three seasons of snoozers in the middle of that run. Yeah,
1: exactly. All those, all those episodes of Tony Soprano sitting in therapy. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. gangster. <laughs> That's gangster. Uh, Well, it comes to an end tonight. And um, you know what? Episode 233 of the Tale of the Tape comes to an end right now. So, um, Vin, let's get out of here. We'll be back next week with a preview of Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. Um, I wish we had a fight preview for the Usyk fight that we were going to go to, but at least Vin got a refund. So all is well. I got a the refund. Doors. Then
0: I got tickets I'm still sitting on. I'm wondering if I just showed up with my tickets. I was if I was able to I, I just kinda even I wanna go down there just to see if it works. So I can to be like there and just say oh. just, you know, at at Eddie Hearn and at the zone and just say, Hey, thanks for the refund. I'm here anyways dude that you have to do
1: that that is worth I'll, i will pay for your gas that is worth just making the trip
0: and not even you don't have to go into i'm the just flights. gonna walk in. i just <laughs> want to get my ticket ticket checked in i'll i'll take a selfie with the guy who checks my ticket and then i'll be on my way right to right the roulette <laughs> table baby <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: shit all right all right all right for real we're out of here this time Um, Thanks for listening to episode 233 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and Spotify and drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. Check us out on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. Uh, We'll be back next week with episode 234. So in the meantime, enjoy the series finale of Game of Thrones and we'll catch you on the flip side. You've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast here on The Boxing Rant. Muchas gracias, everybody.